worship.
Good morning, everybody. You're welcome to take a seat if you would like to. I'd like to welcome you here this morning. If you're a visitor, my name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. And right in front of you, there should be a little card that says communication card. would uh, welcome you to take one of those and fill it out, drop that in the offering basket on your way out this morning so we could have a record of you being here, be able to reach out to you this week, see if there's anything we can do for you, pray for you. I uh, would love that opportunity. So if you would grab one of those, fill that out. I want to make you also aware of a few opportunities uh, this evening and this week uh, to to serve and to be involved in in some projects uh, that uh, that that we are involved in. <laughs> and so this evening is our uh, our faith in practice uh, time together. And so we will be going and uh, helping the uh, foster and adopt. Uh, what's it called? It's a big word. I can't think of it. The FAPA. We're going to say that. And I'm not sure what, what all the, the acronym stands for, but essentially we'll be going and unloading, collecting clothes and bringing them back and setting the gym up for uh, later this week to be able to invite families uh, in to uh, come get what they, what they need and be able to serve them and uh, take care of them, minister to, minister to these families this week. And so this evening, your help is needed to, to go and collect, uh, collect clothing and different things at, uh, at a storage building that is right across the street, and then come back and set the gym up and kind of distribute things, get them all broken down into sizes and things like that. And so if you have a truck and are willing to, to come and... Uh, drive, be at the gym at 5.30 this evening. Otherwise, if you're willing to come help at 6 o'clock over in the gym, uh, come join us. And so that's this evening. And then Thursday and Friday of this week, there should have been an email that went out that, uh, that gave the information and allowed you to sign up for different times, but would, uh, would love to have you join and serve these families, be able to come pray with them, get to know them a bit, and be able to help this Thursday and Friday uh, and Saturday, I believe, Saturday morning uh, with, with the different foster and adoptive families in our community and serving them. And so just want to make you aware of these, uh, these opportunities this week and invite you to, to come join. All right. So we have been memorizing Romans 3, 23 and 24. And so let's, uh, let's repeat it again and look at these verses and uh, so we'll recite them, we'll read them uh, twice through, and, and then we'll continue on. All right? So if you would, follow with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans three twenty three and 24. See it one more time. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans three twenty three through 24 So last week we talked about for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That everybody, all have sinned. All stand before God volitionally in what they have done and as heritage through all humanity as sinful, that our, our hearts, our souls are corrupt, that we are separated from God, 
And we have not met the mark of what He created us to be. But we, through His gift, through His work, are justified by His grace as a gift. Incredible promise that it is something that He has done. Justified in the Greek is passive. God has done it. God has set it up. God is the one who came. The Son came into the world through Christ Jesus. He came and He gave His life on, in our place so that we all are in this situation of sin and fallen short of what God has intended us to be. We cannot climb out. We cannot fix it. We cannot repair our situation. We stand before God sinful. But God, because He is rich in mercy and grace, the Son, Jesus, came. He gave His life so that we could be justified. We could stand before God right and forgiven because He has taken our punishment. He, by His grace, has offered to us, has paid our debt. It's a glorious truth. We don't earn God's favor. We don't earn His mercy. We don't become righteous. We don't attain to a level of spiritual maturity and an intellectual ascent to where we then become God. We then become divine and we have suddenly paid our debt. None of that is what we see in Scripture. Jesus has paid our debt. Jesus has come and given His life so that we can stand before God just and righteous because of His gift, because of His grace, not because of merit. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your grace in Christ. I thank you, Father, that you sent your Son to be the Savior of the world. You sent your Son to take my sin, to take the sin of your people upon himself, that he would die to fulfill the righteous judgment that we deserve, that we have merited, and that your grace then is unmerited. We do not deserve the forgiveness that is extended and given to us through Christ, your Son. But thank you, Lord. Thank you that you, Lord, have given us grace. You have offered it to us. You have paid our debt. So, Father, would you help us, Lord, to hear what your word says and to turn from our sin, to turn from selfishness, to turn from our corrupt ways and instead to turn to you and to rest, and to depend, and to go full, full forward all of our lives laid upon Christ that, that what He has done, we would trust Him and find sufficient. That we would find His work on the cross as effective for us. So Father God, would you guide us this morning, speak to us, Lord, this morning. Would you be with us? as we hear from you, Lord, and provide this evening that, Lord, you would use your people here. You would use us for the good of this community, for the good of one another, and for the glory of your gospel. That, Lord, the effort, the sweat, the, uh, the time given, Lord, would, would be a sweet aroma of Christ to the world around us, that, God, that the, the, you would bring families you would bring social workers, you would bring people in later this week that, Lord, we would be able to 
to share Christ with. We would be able to point them to you, Lord. And that, God, they would find, as this scripture says, they would find it true in their own lives. That they are in desperate need of your mercy and your grace. And that in your Son, there is hope, there is life, there is justification. Lord, we thank you so much and ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.
that no matter what we go through, that we can find our rest, our peace, our joy in you because you sent your son to pay the price for our sins. God, we have redemption. We have been redeemed by your blood and we no longer have to to pay that price because you have paid it. Lord, thank you. God, I pray for Pastor Joel as he brings the word that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand that we will leave this building better equipped to be your church. Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning to you. Uh, We're in a study where we're talking about the living church, that Christ church is living and it's alive. And uh, as it is, um, parts of our church are carried on to glory because this isn't where we're destined for. We're destined for heaven. And on Friday evening, one of our dear sisters in Christ, uh, in her sleep, went home to be with Christ. And uh, as, I, as I shared uh, with her son, it's, it's, our, uh, it's really our loss here of her presence, uh, but it's heaven's gain for her. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, we celebrated her 99th birthday with her sitting right back there. And... Uh, and we sang happy birthday to her, and I told you then, I'll sing happy birthday to you if you make it to 99, right? Okay, so Miss Frances Redden, uh, who was born in uh, El Paso, Texas. Her dad was a miner, and uh, she was born and raised there. And she uh, went to teaching school, became a teacher, uh, one of the great uh, Christians that I've ever known, uh, that uh, she continued to walk with Christ uh, all her days, and uh, it uh, and, and she was so full of life. Um, where Alvin's uh, Alvin's Surf Shop or whatever it's called is down at. Uh, the corner there at Gulf Shores, there used to be a little carnival area there that had rides and things. And, and at one time she had a ride there and she wound up buying it all. And so she owned all of that. I took my son there, not knowing her, but uh, uh, when my son was little, we would take him there and ride the rides. And, uh, and then, uh, I mean, you went from teaching to doing that to, uh, I remember... Uh, as I hadn't been here, I hadn't been her pastor too long, I went to visit her over at Westminster, and she had macular de- degeneration, and she could not see well. She had a, uh, you know, a gigantic, uh, even a ginormous uh, monitor. Uh, 
for her computer and uh, she invited me in and uh, I asked her what she was doing she she had her monitor with the uh, magnifier that comes on the, on it as well so she couldn't see very well and I think she was like 91 92 at the time I said uh, Miss Francis what are you doing she said I'm trading stock I said, how well are you doing? She says, I'm making money. <laughs> and uh, that's just kind of the lady she was. And her doctor that God used back here uh, to uh, be a tool to bring her through COVID. And she was mad at you for that. Uh, she's rejoicing today. And, you know, our times are in God's hands. Amen? Your job is to try and save us and you did a good job with her well God did through you and he wasn't finished with her yet because I went to see her just uh, right before this last lockdown and uh, I couldn't find her and they said well she's outside and she had two young ladies that were in their 80s um, and she had one on one side and one on the other side and she was giving them instructions and telling them about how they ought to live for Christ. And uh, that's just encouraging to my soul. Well, why take that time on Sunday morning to do that? Well, the, her memorial service will be much later. Uh, and uh, because she has donated her body to uh, the University of South Alabama Medical School, she had told me that. She said, you know, you don't give... You know, there aren't many doctors that get to work on a body this old. And uh, <laughs> she said, I want them to be able to do that. And that's just the kind of lady that she is. And so we celebrate her life. And I hope that as she has followed Christ, that you also follow Christ as well. Okay? Have a copy of God's Word. Let me invite you to turn to Second Timothy chapter 3. And uh, we, we've talked about uh, uh, coming to truly worship the Lord when we gather as a church. And uh, I want to give you what ought to be, in my opinion, and I think what the Scripture says, uh, the, the key uh, to what it is to worship. And uh, I've titled the message, The Breath of Life. I know it's a very familiar passage to you. I've preached on this uh, several times over the years and being your pastor. Uh, at one time, I think I preached on it the first Sunday of every January, uh, just to kind of remind you uh, that that's why we're here. And so uh, let me quickly give you background just to the preceding verses uh, Paul is talking about uh, some false teachers, those who have abandoned the faith. And uh, he puts Timothy in contrast. Uh, we are in a crisis of leadership in the United States, uh, politically, uh, I think socially, morally, uh, and even spiritually, uh, if, if you're keeping up with the news. And uh, there needs to be this kind of contrast that we see. And here is Timothy that is being contrasted against those who have failed to walk with Christ 
but at one time had claimed to. So let me begin here. You, Timothy, however, you in contrast to, you have followed my teaching. And not only that, notice he gives a whole list here. My conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. Which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. He saved me out of those. And you saw this. Indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed and knowing from whom you have learned it and how that from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God the person of God may be complete and equipped for every good work and then I want to attach to that Genesis chapter uh, 2 and verse 7 when it says, and then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature, a living being, a soul in whom God dwelt. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. No, Father, this morning we need you. We are all just simply earthen vessels that have the treasure of Christ in us through faith alone and Christ alone. And Lord, I don't want to presume that everyone who is here or that everyone that may be listening by online is a believer in Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that the call of salvation is given, that whosoever will may come to Christ and whosoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And so that is our prayer today, that you would call those who are unredeemed and unsaved and unconverted to faith in Jesus Christ. But also, Lord, that everyone who is God's child, everyone who has come to be a follower of Jesus, like young Timothy here, Lord, that we would know what it is to have that breath of God breathed into us, not only through salvation, but the breath of God breathed into us through the living and abiding Word of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've got just a real simple little outline for you this morning. It's got three main points to it. And uh, so let me give you the first one. And that is, the breath of life produces salvation. We're talking about this breath. This breathing of God. And it is the breath of life that 
brings salvation. We, we see this uh, in verses 14 and 15 that we just read. I'm not following the text sequentially here. So if you'll just drop down to verse 14 and notice what he says. He says to Timothy, you, you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it. Now he's talking about himself, but he's also talking about his mother and his grandmother. As far as we know, at least at this time, that his father was not a believer. He's called a, a, a Gentile. And, uh, and, and all of this is recorded, by the way, when we talk about uh, uh, Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. It's recorded in Acts uh, chapters uh, uh, 13 and 14 and we see Paul as he is uh, on his missionary journey he comes to Lystra and it is at Lystra that Timothy is converted and Paul is persecuted along the way and Timothy is an observer of this but I want you to know what it is that God uses to bring young Timothy the faith in Jesus Christ. Again, verse 15, he says, You've learned this, yeah, from me. You learned it from your mother and your grandmother. And what was it? It was the sacred writings. It was the scripture. It was the word of God. Just as verse 16 of this chapter says, The word of God is the breath of God. When God took mud or clay... And he formed it and fashioned it into the likeness of a human being. The scripture says that he breathed into that mud. By the way, that mud, that dirt, it's called in the Hebrew, Adam, Adam. So Adam means, if you're Adam here, your name means dirt. Wow, what a name to have, huh? And the truth is, we're all just dirt apart from Christ you know we're all just uh, molecules we're 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 all just uh, uh, minerals that have gathered together we have life that has been given to us and the scripture says it's been given to us by God and so it is with salvation we have eternal life when God breathes into us through the scripture, the knowledge of Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit of God who, King James says, quickens us, makes us alive, regenerates us, and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're made new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away, the new has come. And so the breath of life produces salvation. Do not forget that. We do not lead people to a knowledge of Christ apart from the Word of God. Now, it's been said, lead people to Christ with your life and use words if necessary. Words are necessary. It is the Word of God that is alive. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. And was seen by at least 
500 people at one time and was ascended up into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's coming again riding on a white horse and he's going to put an end to all unrighteousness and he's going to take his children to be with him forever and ever in, in the new heaven and the new earth. That's the gospel. And that's what we're to share with people. And so it takes the word of God. God breathes salvation through his word. But number two, the breath of life brings on, you're not going to like this, tribulation. Not only does hearing from God bring you salvation, hearing from God brings you tribulation, persecution, trials, difficulties. Notice how Paul said it. You, you however, you followed my teaching, my conduct, you you. You, you saw what was happening, but verse 11 says, you also f- saw my persecutions and sufferings. They happened to me at Antioch. Before I got to Lystra, you heard about it. They kicked me out of town. Uh, they, they, at Iconium, they, they stoned me, leaving me for dead. And when Paul goes through these towns, it's interesting if we continue reading in the book of Acts, immediately after he gets to Derby, what does he do? He turns around and where does he go? Right back through the same towns. The same towns where he had been persecuted. The same towns where there had been trials and tribulations. And he makes the statement, I endured those persecutions because, verse 11 says, the Lord did what? Rescued me. The Lord saved me. He, he delivered me. It's the same word that's used uh, in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. Uh, and so God uh, rescues us in times of trouble and in times of trial. And uh, that's something you and I have as a promise from God. We forget that sometimes. Trouble comes. We think, ah, you know, uh, I, uh, I don't know that I can make it through this. And you can't except through Christ who gives us strength. I can do all things through him who gives us strength. But then notice it's a promise from God. Verse 12. This is one of those promises that you really want to take your little promises of God book that you own. That's, you know what I'm talking about if you ever had one or seen one. And you want to just kind of scratch this one out. Because look what it says in verse 12. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. <laughs> you will go through trials following Jesus Christ. And he's saying this to Timothy And he's reminding him, just as you've seen God rescue me through it, he will rescue you through it. And you know what happens, you you do know what happens in the fourth chapter. When Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be, Be ready at all times to preach the word. But then Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. He says that my death is coming. I'm already being poured out. He's in Rome. He's uh, 
under the sentence of death and he says I'm already being poured out on the altar of sacrifice as a drink offering unto the Lord he doesn't see his death as something to be dreaded he sees it as something oh I, I as, as Miss Francis did something to be longed for and to be looked forward to and that's what it was uh, for Paul and that's what he wanted to remind Timothy of so so hearing the word of God receiving the word of God walking according to the word of God it brings salvation when we couple it with faith it brings also tribulation but I want you to see thirdly the breath of life results in transformation transformation verses 16 and 17 I know you're getting real excited. You said he's got three points, and he's at the third one, and we're almost done. Well, we'll take just a little bit longer on point three, okay? So uh, rest back just a little bit. So I want you to see what it says. The breath of God changes us. Scripture is breathed out by God. And good news, it's beneficial, it's profitable. And then he's going to give us five things that it's profitable for. There are five things that are here. Remember that God is the one that gives life. Man becomes a living being. Ezekiel reminds us of, uh, you remember the valley of the dead bones? And God tells Ezekiel uh, to prophesy in this valley of dry bones and he prophesies that they come together and the toe bone was connected to the foot bone and the foot bone was connected to the ankle bone and you, you know the song okay and that's what that's where we get it from and it all came together and yet it was all there and through the the uh, command of God Ezekiel prophesies until there is, there is, all the parts are in place for a living human being. And yet, we see an army standing, and though there are bodies there, what do we know? They're dead. They're dead. And then God tells Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, you prophesy to the wind, to the breath, and you tell it to come. And life comes into those dead bones. Life comes into the muscle and the tissue and everything that is there. It is a, it is a beginning of new life. And uh, we see what God's Word does. Scripture is the breath of God. And it is breathed out by God. Now... I'm going to give you an outline for these five things. They're different words. And I know we're, we're hearing a little bit about plagiarism these days. And so I want to tell you, this is not my outline. Okay? Uh, this came from my uh, class notes from my advanced Greek class. And uh, Dr. Richard Henderson was my Greek professor. And he studied... There will be on a couple of you that will know the name. He studied under James Stewart at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. And uh, 
And, and this was his simple little outline. And uh, I liked it because it, they all ended in the same uh, ending. So I just picked it, okay? Number one, he said, it is profitable. It's beneficial for, you're not going to like this word, indoctrination. Because the word indoctrination is what we are accused of all the time. You Christians are continually indoctrinating your children. And you know what? We are. Amen. Own it. it. It's a good word. It's made up of two words, right? One is the word doctrine. And doctrine means teaching. And it means to take teaching and put it where? In. In the mind. And... Uh, the war, as we mentioned last week, the world is indoctrinating us all the time. I mean, it is constant. I don't know if you watched any football yesterday. I, I only got to see 30 minutes of football all day. Okay. And you know what? While I'm watching a benign football game, you know what they're doing? Indoctrinating. There's a commercial that comes on and tells me how I can have a happy life. I mean, I know I realize it comes in a, a tin can. And uh, it comes from a brewery somewhere. But it tells me that my life will be happier if I have that. I am being indoctrinated. Somebody wants my money. And uh, I'm being told that that will make my life happy. So why should we be afraid to own up to the fact that we teach the Scripture? We teach the Word of God. And that's what he says. It is profitable for teaching. And that's what Paul said to young Timothy. You learned this from me. Verse 10, you followed my teaching. It's important that we be taught right truths. There are things that, you know, I can remember as a kid, I got it all messed up in my head that the word several meant a lot. And I'd just use it that way. Now, how, how could I do that? I, I get things mixed up in my brain all the time, okay, <laughs> even to this day. And I can remember using it multiple times in the first or second grade, yeah, I was a very erudite kid to use the word several that much. And every time I use it, my teacher would look at me and go, Do you know what that word means? Well, absolutely I do. There was no doubt in my mind I knew what it meant. But guess what? I was wrong. I was wrong about it. You see, to say that you know something is not just enough, but you must know right teaching. And that's why we have the Bible. A person says, I believe this about God. Doesn't matter to me. What does the Word of God say about God? What does it reveal about God? And that's what's essential. It is the eternal Word of God. It doesn't come out of mere philosophy. Because I don't know how many of you have ever studied philosophy. But uh, I was uh, talking to my wife just yesterday about 
Hegelian dialecticalism. And she said, what? You know, and that comes out of philosophy and it's tied into Marxism and socialism. And uh, you and I look at philosophies and we see they change all the time. And if you've ever taken a course in philosophy, you know that the word philosophy means uh, uh, the love of wisdom. Where does true wisdom come from? Not from a man's mind or a woman's mind. It comes from an eternal word. It's an ancient book that you and I have here. And uh, anyway, I have much more I could say along those lines, but I shall move on. Okay? So he says, follow my teaching. So we learn as a disciple, verse 14 says. So this teaching, we have to learn. Uh, verse 14 says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. So God's not just telling you to have uh, a, a leap of faith into nothing. He's telling us to have a leap of faith into the certainty of who Christ is. And Christ was a historical figure. He lived a real life. So, and he lived a sinless life to which he has a brother that wrote the book of James that calls him... Lord and Master. Now, I don't know about you. I got three brothers. Would you like me to delineate some of their failures and their faults? I was just talking with my mother yesterday morning. We were over there, and I, I said, uh, uh, talking about one of my brothers, I said, you know, um, he always knows how to push my buttons. Uh, well, what do you mean by that? He, he always knows how to um, trip me up, get me a little upset. And uh, she said, oh, he, he, he wouldn't ever do that. I said, we are talking about the same brother that would take a pillow and put it over my head till I, I would pass out. Come on, it should be a little more laughter than that. Were you really terrorized like that by your brother? Absolutely. Okay. I was the youngest of four boys. I mean, I got blistered all the time. Terrorized. I have post-traumatic stress disorder because of it. <laughs> oh, what's the point? I'm wanting you to laugh a little bit because I want you to see for a brother who grew up with the Lord Jesus Christ to call him Lord. Now that's amazing. That's a testimony. That's a testimony to the nature of who the Son of God really is. You and I, we listen to the world. The world says, well, you know, he was just a good man. He just da 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 The people who knew him, the people who walked with him and saw him said, remember what the Roman centurion said? This truly was the Son of God. There's no other person. I've been to Rome. I've been before the emperor who called himself God. This man truly is the Son of God. And so we have to learn truth 
but we have to believe in that truth for it to become ours. So through this truth, just let me say it quickly, we learn who we are. Uh, I'll give you a, a reference, Romans 1, 21 and 22, where it says we as human beings don't honor God like we should. We are futile in our thinking. We are foolish in our hearts that are darkened. And in claiming to be wise, we ourselves become fools. We also learn who he is. And I'm just giving you just simple references. Acts chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. Uh, when Peter is preaching at uh, Pentecost, he said, This Jesus that you delivered up was delivered by the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified him, you killed him, but God raised him up from the dead. He loosed the pains of death or the shackles of death because it was not possible for death to hold him. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. So we learn who he is and John the baptizer could look at Jesus and say, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so we find out, and I'm just giving you, I'm giving you one page out of a, of a million pages of definitions of who God is. And so uh, we learn who He is. We learn to hear and call on Him with obedience. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Hebrews 3.15 says, hear his voice today, and do not harden your heart, as others did. And he was talking about those that had come out of Egypt, out of their bondage in Egypt, and did not believe God. They saw the miracles of God, they didn't believe it. It didn't benefit them, he says in Hebrews 4.2, because it was not united by faith to those who heard it. You must hear the word of God and then believe the word of God. And those who believed it, Hebrews 4.3 says, entered into God's rest. We also must learn, or we also learn to walk with him uh, Colossians uh, 2, 6 and 7 says, So walk in Christ and be established in the faith just as you were taught. So we have indoctrination. I'll move more swiftly with conviction. Conviction. All scripture is breathed by God. It's profitable for teaching and for reproof. It, it, it is the living Word of God, Hebrews 4, 12 tells us, that it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it cuts into the human soul, it divides us, it knows our thoughts and intents, no creature is hidden from the Word of God, and we will give account to the God of the Word. That's the truth, that's what it tells us. So there must, this breathing out of the word brings conviction to our soul. It also brings correction. Uh, it says it is not only profitable for teaching, for reproof, but for correction. Uh, it's a word 
built off of our word uh, orthodox or orthodontist. You know, I, we, I saw a commercial this morning. Janet and I were watching the news this morning. And a lady came on. She said, you know, if your teeth are white, they're beautiful. It doesn't matter whether they're crooked or not. Just so long as they are white. And I'm thinking, okay, I have crooked teeth and dull teeth. Wow, what that must look like. Okay? You know... Uh, I had two brothers that had the privilege of going to an orthodontist and getting their teeth straightened. Okay? You know, we had, it was every other brother. That's because you couldn't afford it. Uh, so every other brother got it. And, uh, and I want you to see that, you know, correction is a hard word. It means something is crooked. Something's not straight. But the word means to improve it. God's word is there to correct us. But in correcting us, it is there to do what? Improve us. It may involve pain. I, I remember when my brothers would go get their teeth tune-ups. You know? And, and the orthodontist would tighten them up a little bit more. And they'd come back and, oh man, they, I don't want to eat anything. You know, it was painful to them. Uh, things have changed a whole lot, I'm sure, in 56 or whatever years. Anyway, in, in all that time. But the question is, is it worth it? And the answer is yes. When we hear the breathed word of God given to us and it corrects our lives, it is correcting us to straighten us for God's glory. Number four, instruction. Instruction. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. It's uh, with Sinclair Ferguson who uh, wrote, and I'm not giving you an exact quote here, I'm kind of paraphrasing it. Uh, he, he said... Uh, the question is, should not be, are you simply in the Word, but is the Word in you? Because we like to say that. We like to ask the question, are you in the Word regularly? And what do we mean by that? Are you reading your Bible? Are you having a quiet time? Are you studying the Scriptures? And what Sinclair is saying is, that's good, that's not enough. The question is, is it in you? Has it been coupled by faith? Have you come to be obedient to what the Word of Christ is saying? It, it wasn't new with Sinclair Ferguson. Colossians 3, 16, uh, Paul says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you ri richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So the Word of God needs to... Come and be a part of uh, training us and instructing us how to walk with Christ. And then lastly is the word direction. Verse 17 says, For this, to this purpose, to this end, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It means to be fully outfitted. 
You see, as we receive the Word of God with faith, we must also put obedience with it. In James 1.21, he says, Receive the implanted Word of God. Receive the implanted Word of God. Welcome the Word of God that has been put into you. And couple it with faith and obedience. The next verse, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you're just a, a hearer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. And then he tells you, the truth isn't in you. You read it. You got it in your brain. But it's not living in you. It's not changing your life. Oh, but when we hear the word of God, it's breathed from the heart of God. And we receive the implanted word of God into us. We couple it with faith and obedience. The scripture tells us, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So I want to ask you just three simple little questions. One, do you have his life in you? Has he come and has he breathed life into you? And I'm not talking about just physical life. I'm talking about spiritual life. Have you been born again? Are you a new creation in Christ Jesus? You say, well, I don't know that I know. Well, you do know when you know. Okay? When you've been born again of the Spirit of God. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the, the simplicity of the gospel is, is whoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And so you need to know that His life is in you. Number two, how are you responding to this word of life? Are you receiving it? Are you obeying it? Are you coupling it with faith? And then lastly, are you just in the Word? Or is the Word in you? I hope and pray that you can answer yes to those. But if you're like some of us, like me, you might have to say there's a lot of room for improvement there. For God has said some things to me that I, mm -hmm, I believed it. I didn't act upon it. And if I don't act upon it, that implanted word will not bring forth fruit. It'll be like that seed that's either snatched away or it's dried up or it's choked out. And it doesn't bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Oh, that you and I would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be rescued today. And Father, we come to this moment thanking you for the simplicity of the truth that you have given us. Lord, we don't want to fall victim to the indoctrination of the world. Lord, you know I, I just read a study that says that 80% of millennials want to see the church cease to exist they've been indoctrinated 
by a world system that is against Christ. Lord, help us to come to rally to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To come to rally to the word of God and not be ashamed of it. And know that it is not just a book that was written a long time ago for another people. But Lord, it's a living word. And it's just as relevant for today. For Lord, we are futile in our understanding. Our eyes of understanding are darkened to spiritual truths. To things that we just can't see anymore. And Lord, we need the light of the gospel to shine. And I pray, Lord, that we would see the army that is standing there, but it's, it's just dead. And that the breath of the Word of God would be breathed into hearts and new life would come. So, Lord, help the preachers to keep preaching the truth of your Word straightly, rightly, correctly. Lord, help the, the people of God to be unashamed of the persecutions that do come and to share it, to continue to give out the Word of God, though it may cost, and know that it will bring forth the fruit that you intend, and it will be for your glory. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.